Baseball 365 Podcast. And here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 77 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and you can follow us on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. You can follow myself at Justin Hughes 365 and you can follow Andrew at AMCQ82. If you'd like to support the show, you can leave us an iTunes rating and leave a review. That's a great way to give us some love and help us get our name out there. On today's show, we are going to talk about the Stanton injury, whether it would be a good idea to possibly sell on Luis Robert or Fernando Tatis Jr., and then play a panic ometer game with some players that are off to slow starts. But before all that, let's get Andrew on. And Andrew, you're a Cubs fan, so I've got a question for you. How concerned are you that your division rival St. Louis Cardinals have not allowed a run? None of their pitching pitchers have allowed a run in two full weeks now. We're coming. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy sporting that uh, zero 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 ERA. <laughs> First time in baseball history a team has ever gone two weeks without allowing a run. We're breaking yeah. records. <laughs> <laughs> Now don't don't ask me about our offense because we're also breaking records on that end too. Then, but I was gonna say uh, Charlie Blackman's got as many hits as the Cardinals team. <laughs> exactly thirty four to thirty four. That's just nuts. I laughed and cut you off, but yeah, you just said they've got he's got as many as them this season. That's another ugly stat if you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe just maybe we'll get they'll get to play some baseball this weekend. I know the Friday game's already canceled, and we'll see about Saturday. But we're going to jump right into it and talk about the news and move into Giancarlo Stanton, who went to the injured list with a left hamstring strain. This seems to keep happening with this guy. Could you imagine, I was thinking about this last weekend, could you imagine if he was still on the Miami Marlins and they were paying him this 30-some-odd million a year on a team that's already just hamstrung with money? How bad that would look for them right now? Yeah, definitely be a mess. I mean, Miami doesn't even need him. They're in first place, right? <laughs> That's a good point. They'd <laughs> be like, "Yeah, we're good." Yeah. No. Yeah, it's definitely would be a a mess. I. It's hard to explain with Stanton anymore. It's just over and over. So. Yeah, and the bad part about it is, it always seems like at first it's something minor, and then it turns out to be a month or two months later with this right. guy. You keep thinking he's going to be back in a couple weeks, and then. As I said, whenever the injury happened and they said it was a grade one strain, which is the lightest of the grades, I'm like, okay, well, that makes him questionable for the World Series because that's just the way it seems to go with him and Judge when they get hurt. I think you were the one that made a good quote. It's like, it's frustrating to own these guys, but owning or what Aaron Judge is doing right now is a big reason why people keep drafting him because Judge is going off right now. Yeah. Yeah, I was just making that point the other day. It's like I know there's a lot of people that are like Aaron Aaron Judge's draft price is egregious and all this stuff, but and obviously they're not exactly the same player, but there's a lot of similarities and um, you know everything from the team to the power to the injuries and all that. But yeah, what Judge is doing, I mean, that's why people do it, you know, because they obviously when they're rolling, I mean, you're seeing it, so. Yeah, either of those guys any year could go hit 55 bombs and no one's going to blink. Other than, hey, they stayed healthy. Okay, so Clint Frazier has been called up 
with this injury, and he's going to be up. He got the start on Thursday night or Wednesday night. Do you think he's the has some fantasy relevance here, or do you think it more goes to some of the guys that were already up? Mike Talkman, I know he was talked about as the guy that would get, it seems like he'd get the majority of the starts. Are you investing in Frazier and Fab this weekend? Yeah, I definitely would pick him up if he isn't owned. Um, i got to check to see if he's owned in all my leagues. I, I want to say he is, but um, yeah, I think he has to be owned. I, you pretty much want whoever's starting in the Yankees outfield. It's kind of, there's some revolving doors there with all the guys that are injury prone and stuff, even not just Judge and Stanton, but Hicks in the past and Gardner's older. I mean, Talkman, Frazier, they can be in the mix. So you definitely want the guy getting playing time there. Obviously, Frazier's closer to that. So, yeah, I, I think there's some relevance there. Yeah, I agree. What kind of fab do you think you could see him going for this weekend? Not you specifically, but just bids. Well, being that the bids are inflated this year, it's kind of different. But, I mean, I could see 5 to 10% maybe, maybe even a little bit more. Yeah, I was sitting there thinking possibly even as high as 200. But I might be overshooting it with the fact that don't know about playing time. If he has a real hot week and weekend, I could see it. Yeah. But I guess yeah. that depends on a lot. As crazy as it sounds, it depends a lot on those short term. Like, all it takes is one weekend where he goes nuts, and yeah, it's going to be, like you're saying, 200 probably. Yeah. Well, moving on to the next thing that I wanted to talk about before we go into panical meter, and that's the two guys that are making waves in baseball right now Fernando Tatis Jr. and Luis Robert. These two guys are the talk right now, and I, I wanted to ask you about these guys specifically in terms of, let's say you're playing in a redraft league right now. These guys are hot value. I mean, they're, they're talking about Fernando Tatis as a top five player next year now, and Robert, I think our good buddy Eric Cross with Fantrax, he's even saying that he's a top 25 dynasty get, keep. I think we talked about that last episode, so... If you owned either of these guys in a redraft league, I'm wondering, would you be testing the waters with them with their value so high right now, or do you think you'd be hanging on to these guys and riding the wave? Well, in redraft, I mean, most of my redraft leagues, there's no trading. I'm actually, actually all of them this year. I'm in one normally, but we're not playing it out this year. So I, I don't think of trading really in redraft <clears throat> leagues, but... As far as these guys, I mean, I, I think I'd just ride it. I mean, I don't, I'm not really that surprised by what they're doing. I was fairly high on both of them, especially in a shortened season, and they're both studs. They're both performing five categories. I mean, I don't really know what you would be looking to get as far as a trade, you know, so I'd probably ride it, but there's probably people out there that would say to sell, so. I wondered about Robert just because the league adjustments are going to start coming and he's sporting a good 33% strikeout rate right now, 40, 400 batting average and balls in play. But on that same note, he's hitting the ball really hard and Tatis did the same thing last year. He had, I think he had a batting average and balls in play over 400 for his half season that he played last year. So it's very possible. Tatis, on the other hand, let me just... If if you own Tatis and somebody came to you for with Mookie Betts for him straight up, do you think you're pulling the trigger there? 
In a redraft league? Yeah. Uh, I would take bets. Yeah. So it would have but to be. But I, I think it's close, though. I, uh-huh. I do think it's close, yeah. So let me ask, move one more to his teammate that was going right around the same spot but struggling so far this year, and we'll get to him in a bit. But Cody Bellinger, what about him? I'd take Tatis. I think I'm with you on that. So I mean, I, yeah. I wasn't the biggest Bellinger guy coming in, so that plays into it some. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And then Robert, he's, man, I'm really curious to know where he's going in redraft leagues next year and what his ADP is, and I guess a lot of it has to do with what he does the rest of this way, and we can't really go into that too much yet, but if he keeps this up, he's he's another kid that could be just going really high next year in drafts. Yeah, I mean, the thing with the detractors with these guys, they're always going to point to strikeout rate and stuff, and it's like, yeah, but that's the only thing. I mean, they do everything else well. Everything, yep. you know? So it just overshines, you know, the few holes you want to nitpick, I feel like. And to give Robert some credit for something I really did not expect, and again, we're talking small sample, but he's actually drawn some walks. And that is something yeah. I don't think I, anybody was projecting him to be doing coming in. He has no history of that throughout the minor leagues. So... Good for him for doing that in his first stint in the bigs. Yeah, definitely encouraging. Okay, well, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to play the Panic O-Meter game. All right, Andrew, I think I have a list of, I want to say it was 12 names here we're going to go through, and I'm going to give you a 1 to 10 on how much panic you would be feeling about these players if you owned them right now. Some of them you own, some of them you probably don't own, but these guys are off to slow starts, and we're going to start off uh, with... 10 being the most panicked, right? Correct, yes. Okay, just making sure we have that clear. We're starting off with the guy we were just talking about, Cody Bellinger, with an ADP of 4.71. So this guy was a top-five player in most drafts. Had a breakout season last year with a 305 batting average, 47 home runs, 15 steals, 100-plus runs, and RBI. And it has not started been the same Cody Bellinger to start off this year, hitting 160 with a 212 on-base percentage. Uh, I think he has one home run and one stolen base. So one to ten, how worried would you be as a Bellinger owner? Uh, I have a two for Bellinger. Not worried. Uh, his hard hit rates are down a little bit. Not walking as much. I mean, we're we're still dealing with really small samples here. So when you're talking about studs like Bellinger, I'm not <coughs> I'm not deviating off of what I thought in the preseason. Really, I mean, I was down on him. A little bit. I'm talking a, a few spots from where everybody else was taking him, but I mean, I'm not going to sit here and act like this isn't still a s- superstar, you know. Um, he's swinging a little bit more. His swing percentage is up from it's typically been in the 43, 44 percent range. He's, he's up to 50. Uh, but the good thing is he's not striking out much. I mean, like I said, 81 plate appearances. I think he's fine. I'm with you. It would be a low number, probably a two or three for me also. 
And the thing you said there at the end is what I was going to go to. When he was struggling, when I saw the batting average, my first thought is, okay, well, is he striking out 25, 30% of the time again like he was before? And no, it's he's not. I think there's just a lot of bad luck or small sample here. I would not be panicking. Do, do not try to sell this guy. Unless you can get Fernando Tatis Jr., then okay, do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, moving on, Trey Turner with an ADP of 16.2. Um, batting average home runs and all that, they're, they're all right. But the thing I wanted to bring up was the fact that he hasn't stolen a base yet. How concerned would you be about him and steals right now? For Trey, I've got like a three to a four. Um, I I actually have Trey on. I believe it's three three teams, two dynasties, or one dynasty and a couple redrafts. But yeah, oh for three in steals. I mean, it's it's maddening. The last I was gonna uh, just tell a quick thing here that people not watching the game wouldn't have probably caught. But his last caught stealing it was a few days ago. I want to say maybe late last week or over the weekend when they were playing Baltimore. It was over the weekend. And so he's 0 for 2 in steals. He's on first base. Cat, Starlin Castro's at the plate. Trey steals the base. And Starlin swung through the pitch and hit the catcher. So they sent Trey back to first. So it nixed his stolen base. And then later in the at-bat, or later in the inning, one of the two, Trey gets caught stealing. <laughs> and as a Trey owner, I watched that, and I was so livid. I just, it's just so maddening, you know. But, I mean, I I think he'll be fine. He's the type of guy that could have five steals in two games, you know. But another caught stealing, or, I don't know, it's just, as those add up, I mean, it's less likely to run. I, I feel like he's more likely to than most because he obviously has the track record, but it's a it's a little irritating, at least short term. I mean, it could change at any moment, though. So I say three or four. Yeah, I would have said about a three, maybe. A, yeah, I I would have been in the same boat with you. I I think there is a little bit of concern in terms of is he going to be a forty steel guy anymore? And the guy I went to look up for reference was Brett Gardner. Brett Gardner, people forget, in 2010-2011, he stole 47 and 49 bases. And I went and looked specifically. I looked at Brett Gardner's current age, 36, and I and I was like, okay, what did he do in 2011? He stole 49 bags. And then he had an injury in 2012, barely played. And then ever since then, he had 24. He hasn't stolen more than 24 bases in a year. And I'm not saying Trey's about to become a 2020 guy as compared to a possible 2040 guy that you're hoping for but you know that speed eventually it will happen and is it happening now to where he's possibly not going to be a 40 steel guy we don't know yet but you can't completely rule it out either yeah i really wouldn't be worried too much i mean he's still 99th percentile sprint speed i mean it's not like he isn't fast it's just it's more so just irritating because Today, actually right now as we're recording this, the Nationals are playing their 15th game of the season. It's exactly one-fourth of the way through the season. And he has no steals. I mean, everybody drafted this guy high in the drafts for steals. So, I mean, in a normal year, a fourth of the season, you're looking at, what, like May 15th? 
I mean, Trey playing a year and not stealing a base until May 15th. I just, I don't know. It's more annoying short term, like right now, but I'm sure it'll be fine soon. So. Yeah, if he goes and steals six bases in a week, all's forgiven. But he needs to actually do that. Okay, well, let's move on next to Rafael Devers. ADP of 25, 60 at bats, and he's got a 167 batting average, a 231 on base percentage, and two home runs. Definitely not a great start for people who drafted him around the, I guess, middle of the second round. How concerned should owners be on him? I've got him about where I have Trey, like a three or a four. Uh, he's hitting one, one eleven on fastballs in the early going here, thirty three percent K rate, thirty three point eight, and uh, his contact percentage over the last three years since he's been in the majors has been seventy five, seventy four, and seventy seven percent. It's sixty nine percent this year, so little uh, little frustrating. I mean, still small sample, sixty five plate appearances. Probably not a huge deal, long track record of being a very good hitter, but a few early warning signs. I mean, it's just something to keep an eye on, but I think he's probably okay. So, you know, he had the huge breakout last year. He's striking out at everything so far. I shouldn't say everything, but he's got a higher K rate than Luis Robert right now in terms of that 33.8. You you still feel pretty confident that he's close, at least close to being what he was last year then? Yeah. Yeah, close. A little bit less, but I kind of thought that anyways. So yeah. I'm not – I guess kind of the theme with me on a lot of these guys, I mean, we're talking studs here. So I'm just – I need a bigger sample to get fully off of the thought going into the season. Uh, but, you know, like I said, I mean, I would say that with a lot of guys, we're just not deep enough yet. But that said, I mean, it's still a quarter of the way through the year, different season <laughs> obviously, but I'm not that concerned with Devers. That's specifically why we're doing this. Which ones are we actually concerned about and which ones are we not? Uh, next up is Glaber Torres with the Yankees. He was going right at that 2-3 wheel, and our buddy John Calvagno asked if we didn't talk about him, and whenever I made my post about listener questions, I thought I'd just bring that up here, that he wanted us to do a dive on him and his struggles. 56 at bats, a 161 batting average, 277 OBP, and one home run. After a great year last year, this is another guy that is off to a slow start here. How concerned are you? I've got Glaber. I've got a three on Glaber. Again, not that concerned. Uh, it is a little strange. He's actually walking more this year so far. He's got, I think it's eight walks at, for like a, it's like a 12% walk rate. And only one barrel after 43 batted balls, so it's, it's concerning. I mean, his stat page is, stat cast page is ugly, but it was it was kind of last year too. So I don't know. I just I feel like he's going to become what he was or what he is. You know, like I'm not. Um, I need a bigger sample again. Like with these guys, they're just too good for me to completely move off of them. I mean, it's something to watch. Definitely something to keep an eye on but I'm not overly worried. I kind of think he and Devers are very similar in a way that both of them came off of really big years last year, and both of them seem like they were pretty near what their peak value could be. They're both really good players who are just off the slow starts that are a lot better than this, but they also may not be the players they were last year. 
because that was near the peak. They may be close. They may be that player, but I wouldn't be expecting more. That's kind of where I'm going with it. As sometimes you think with these young guys, people think, okay, now he did this, and he's only 23 years old. Now let's see what he's going to do next year. And both those guys may have already reached their peak, but on the same note, they're still good players. Next up, we got Vlad Jr., 34.91. So we're talking about the first half of the third round if you're talking 15-team leagues. And he's has a 237 batting average, a 286 on base, and he has two home runs. I think he hit his second one yesterday. He's even been moved down to sixth in the lineup over this past weekend. Andrew, 1-10. to 10. How concerned are you with Vladdy in this slow start? It's your boy. Yeah, definitely my boy. Uh, it's been frustrating. I, I had a couple different numbers here. I I put a five for short term and a three, like a two to three for long term. Uh, you know, I mean, really what it is right now, it's just he's hitting everything hard, but it's, in, it's straight into the ground. 62% ground ball rate this season, obviously, you know. Wow only a few at bats. I mean, it's whatever it is, 63 plate appearances. Average exit velocity is up. Hard hit percentage is up, but he just needs to hit the ball in the air more. I feel like they need to work with him and adjust something to get him to loft the ball more. It's just it's frustrating right now, but uh, long term, I mean, I'm not really concerned. I think you just have to stick with a guy like this, but I'm not going to pretend like first 138 games of his career have been a disappointment they definitely have i mean it's just frustrating but i still think it'll turn around do you think he's still a top 10 15 dynasty guy uh yeah back end yeah yeah back i end think i agree first. i think i would have had him a little bit higher at the beginning of the year and i've probably moved him down a couple pegs with this start to this year. I know it's silly because it's been two weeks, but I don't know. I really thought this was going to be the breakout year, and so and it still could be, but it's definitely, you're right, 62% on the ground. That I, I immediately went and pulled up Wilson Ramos's um, fan graphs page because I thought that's what his ground ball rate was last year, and sure enough, 62.4%. So that's a yeah, Wilson I mean, Ramos-level ground ball rate It's 15 on. games, so I don't yes. want to sit here and act like that's going to be what it is forever but at the same time there was some of this last year too Mm -hmm. the good thing is I mean the good things are is he's 21 and he's got a 17% strikeout rate which is good you know very good so there's still good things but there's bad things too it's just you kind of got to be patient with it I feel like long term will be all right. yeah I need to probably get out there and test it, test the waters out with these dynasty leagues and see exactly what the price is on them. Maybe a buying opportunity. All right. Um, moving on, Gary Sanchez. Now he's, or actually, no, I skipped one. Kirby Yates, closer for the Padres, going right around 80 overall in ADP this last offseason. Last year, he had 101 strikeouts, a 1.19 ERA, and 41 saves. And this year, he's thrown four and a third innings. He's given up five runs. And he's dealing with soreness, and he's been losing save opportunities. I think, how many does uh, your boy Drew Pomeranz have now? Four saves? Four four saves, yep. Yeah. So, one to ten. How scared 
would you be if you owned Kirby Yates right now? I put Yates down as a seven. Pretty concerned. Uh, I mean, Pomerantz has four save opportunities, and he's converted them all. Yates has two save opportunities, and he's converted both. Uh, I mean, obviously, the samples with relievers are small to begin with, and when you're talking about this point of a shortened season, it's even smaller, so some may not be concerned. I mean, one thing of note, the Padres have a new manager this year, and he's obviously not afraid to throw Pomerantz into a safe situation. Relievers are... I mean, a lot of their value is based on their role, as sad as it is. I mean, it's, you know, if you're in a especially if you're in a saves league, like traditional five by five, you got to be getting the saves. So it's not so much that I think Yates is bad. I don't really think he's bad, but they have a good bullpen. And I just think that there's other guys in the bullpen. If Yates isn't pitching perfectly, they could get saves. So. I definitely would be concerned, especially based on where he was drafted. But that said, I mean, if I was betting on one guy to lead the team and saves the rest of the year, it'd be Yates. But it's, there's concern there, too. So, Yeah, the fact that he's dealing with soreness right now this early on, and you said that pitchers, or the sample size is small, the volatility is large with closers. It's so large that you just don't know this could be a big problem and it could be something where he's closing in a week but yeah I would definitely have it at least at a seven maybe an eight with him it's it's troubling when you're drafting I mean you drafted this guy possibly there are people that took him as the first closer off the board and here they are sitting watching true Pomeranz have twice as many saves him right now yeah I mean the other th- the other thing too like I was saying with roll I mean all it takes all it takes is the manager to just prefer Pomerantz in the ninth. That's all it takes. And then yep. a ton of Kirby Yates' value is gone. Ian Kennedy that, is a great example of that. Yeah, and that doesn't that doesn't really it doesn't always have to do with anything other than just the manager's preference, you know? Mm-hmm. So just something to watch there. I mean Pomerantz, man, he's he's been really good. Yeah, he has. He has been flourishing out there. I know you were high on him. I think you were high on him going into the year, weren't you? I know. If not, it was early uh, on. Just as a spec guy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think he's a good reliever, you know, like a good lefty reliever. And if he's getting saves, man, it's it's even better. So yes. we'll see. But Okay, we'll keep this moving. Gary Sanchez has got an ADP of 84 overall, and it has been Real ugly for him. 48 at bats, 104 batting average. He does have a 204 on base, so he is drawing walks. Two home runs, 46% strikeout rate in those at bats. How concerned would you be about Gary Sanchez? I put Sanchez as with a four. I gave him a four. Uh, Yeah, a lot of Ks, 54 plate appearances. The good things are he's not chasing any more pitches than he was last year, and he's not swinging at any more pitches than he was last year. His zone contact rate is a little bit down, but it's a tiny sample. So I'm not too concerned. It's something to keep an eye on, but it's like with the landscape of catcher, I just I feel like you just have to ride it out. As you were saying about him, he wasn't chasing more pitches. I'm like, well, man, his zone contact must be terrible then. 
Yeah, it's not as bad as I expected to see. 75%. Yeah, I, I have it of five. It's a small sample, but you're also playing in a season of a small sample, and he needs to get going. Again, pro he was the first drafted catcher, wasn't he? If not, he was really close. Second. He was second. Second. Okay. Moving on, Andrew Benatendi with the Red Sox. 113 overall, 39 at-bats, 103 batting average, zero home runs, one steal. Now he's on the injured list. It's been rough. I, I, I think he went close to – he until he got two hits the other night, he hadn't had a hit since the Cardinals played. Isn't that true? <laughs> Probably, yeah. I think I heard that stat. I'm not even making a joke. I think that was a legit stat I heard, that he went a long time without a hit. Yeah, probably. I mean, he doesn't have that many hits on the season, so. No. Okay. Yeah, so, so uh, Ben Attendee, short, I did short-term and long-term, too, with him. Short-term, I it's like a nine. I mean, you have to be concerned short-term. I, I actually think that it's really good that he's out. I mean, just because you're not tempted to even use him. He's obviously – I was thinking about this with Bumgarner, too, because I own Bumgarner in a league – and when guys are that bad, you almost just want them to go on a DL. Yep. Because then you can just get them on your, as long as you have DL or IL, whatever, in your in your leagues. I mean, leagues with no IL, maybe it's a little different. But, yeah, for fantasy, I think it's a good thing that he's out right now. He obviously needs a break. Long term, I'd put the concern at like a five or a six. I mean, it's tough. But uh, short term, I, I just feel like you pretty much have to cut ties or – Depend, you know, if if there's no IL slots or something like that, it, maybe if you, depending on who your stashes are, if you don't have any other stashes that could maybe see reserving him, but that's definitely concerning short term for sure. Yeah, and if you are dealing with restrictions, he's probably getting cut in some leagues right now, and I understand that at this point with the how bad he's been and he's hurt. If you don't have the roster room and can't stash him, yeah, he's probably got to go. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't been I haven't been a dynasty league and just like oh I'll just throw him on the IL, you know. I mean yeah. it's it's like kind of just ride it out point, you know, with him I think cuz I do think he'll bounce back some, but it's probably not going to be anytime real soon. So. Nope, you just got to hold in those formats if you can unless somebody is just really high on him right now. Okay, let's move on to Mitch Garver with the Twins. Last year in 359 plate appearances, he had 31 home runs. He was pretty much a part-time player, splitting time with Mitch Garver and was absolutely dealing. And it has not been the same this year. Um, so far in 42 at-bats, a 167 batting average, 280 on base, so he is drawing walks, but only one home run. So the question is, how concerned are you? Is this, or like, who is Mitch Garver? That's a question a lot of people are wondering right now. I gave Garver a five. It's been ugly. Yesterday he was uh, in the leadoff spot and had three hits. So that's encouraging. Still a really good lineup. I still think he's their best hitting catcher. So he should play. I mean, it's been a little bit rough, but I kind of just – went in the middle with a five because as rough as it's been it is still a really good team obviously last year he kind of blew up so some regression probably expected but yeah he hasn't he hasn't really done I mean he hasn't replicated at all what he did last year but at the same time I mean again it's 50 plate appearances like 
are we really reacting that much to that? I don't know. I mean, the problem is he only has done it for a year, and you don't have much time here to where it's hard to know what to do when you are trying to compete in this little in this sprint. But the problem also is in most of these leagues there aren't other catchers out there unless you're playing in a yeah. 10, 12 team league with one catcher. Maybe then you can find somebody that's hot that's worth switching out. But it's tough. It's real tough. You, I mean, in a lot of leagues, you just got to ride it out and hope he turns it around. Yeah, twelve team, one catcher mm-hmm. league. I could, I could see possibly cutting him. But other than that, I think you just have to hang on. I mean, it's kind of like with Sanchez. You just ride these guys out. I mean, what else are you even gonna do? Yep, I'm in a fifteen team dynasty. And I'm competing right now, and it's a one-catcher league. So I went in a 15-teamer to go look and see what was out there to see if there was somebody I wanted to pick up, and the options weren't great. I'm like, no, I think I'm just going to ride this. Yeah, I would ride it. You have Garver as your catcher? I do. I picked him up last year. Yeah. Yeah. Who was the top? Do you remember who the top option was that was available? Um... Somebody who's playing pretty well, he's still out there with the Mariners. I already forget his name. He's got catcher and first base eligibility. Austin Nola? Yeah, that's it. Austin Nola. Yeah. And I've thought keep, about picking would, him up. I would keep Garver. Yeah, I'm not cutting Garver for Austin Nola. I've thought about, because it's a daily league, picking up Nola just to flip him around, because I could also use corner infield help, but haven't made that move yet. Now someone in the league is going to hear this and grab him tomorrow. <laughs> that's it. That's the joys of doing it. Yep, but that's all right. Next up is Oscar Mercado, 150 overall. And it has been a very ugly second season for him. Uh, sophomore slump, you could say. 42 at-bats, 119 batting average, doesn't have a single home run or steal, and he hasn't started the last four games in a row. How worried would you be, and is this guy droppable just about every, or in most leagues right now? Redraft. I have Mercado with a nine. Um... This was one. Of, he was one of my biggest fades in the off season. I just, I. It's kind of the same thing that I thought coming into the year. I don't think he's a good hitter. I still don't. I think that when he's getting playing time, his speed can play enough to where he's somewhat coveted in fantasy because you know last year fifteen homers, fifteen steals in one hundred and fifteen games. I get it. I get the intrigue, but it's like. I just don't think he's a good hitter. He doesn't have a lot of power. He doesn't walk a lot. And when Delano DeShields is getting playing time over you, that's a problem. Yeah. So I just, I mean, I'm not really shocked. I mean, I I almost made a joke and said, for me, Mercado's a one. I'm not worried because I don't have to deal with it. Because I didn't want him anyways, you know, coming Mm -hmm. into the year. But, yeah, I mean, if you own him, I'd be very concerned. I actually did pick him up in one of my redraft leagues last week because he got dropped just to see if there's anything there. I mean, he was like an eighth-round pick or whatever, you know, when he's dropped already. But I'm not really confident. I mean, it's different when I can pick him up off waivers versus drafting him. But, yeah, yeah, I'd be concerned if I invested. Yeah, I I have him as a 10. He could always turn it around and get going again. But right now I think he's a definite drop. Doesn't have this long track record of success, and now he's not playing. You can't just sit around and wait on him. I'd drop him and just keep an eye on him. See if he if he gets a couple starts in a row and has some performance, good performances, grab him back. But it's hard to hold on to a guy like that unless you're in a really deep league. 
the one the one thing I will say for Mercado though is if he is getting playing time, he's going to have some value because he okay. has speed, you know. So just watch his playing time is the best yep. thing I could say. I mean, obviously he hasn't been getting it, so it's just concerning. But if he starts getting it, then I mean, he's going to matter some. All right, I'm next one we got Ryan McMahon. I brought him up at 187. Uh, he's got a 220 batting average, hit his second home run yesterday, but I specifically bring him up because Garrett Hampson has gotten, I think he's let off the game the last four games in a row now, playing a lot of second base. And I'm wondering if these Rockies start ever getting everybody healthy, if McMahon might be on the outside looking in at playing time because he's not looking that great and he's just been very vanilla after a season last year where People, he finished pretty strong, and people were thinking maybe the breakout's coming, but he's not showing it so far this year. Very vanilla. Yeah, definitely. I put him at a five just because it's hard for me to know what to think. I mean, with the Rockies, it's just it's tough. Like, he's played eight games in course, you know, and he's got two homers in the games. I mean, Again, obviously, it's not a ton of sample here, but hard to predict what the Rockies are going to do. I don't feel like you invested a ton if you do have McMahon. I have him in a couple leagues, and I have Hampson in the leagues that I took him because I kind of wanted whoever emerged, you know. But Smart I'd rather move. it be Hampson because I'd rather it be Hampson because of the speed. But um, I mean, I think McMahon will go on runs too, where it, it's really a matter of the playing time, and that part's just really hard to predict. So. I just gave him a five. Yeah. Okay, well, final one is Justin Upton. He's got a 113 batting average, 200 on base percentage, and is now on the short side of a platoon with Brian Goodwin. What kind of leagues are you hanging on to this guy in right now with him pretty much being on the wrong side of a platoon? Yeah, I think at 12-team leagues you can cut him. 15-team, it probably depends on the other guys that you have like at the end of your bench it's definitely tough i mean like adele's gonna get run before upton obviously there's trout there so you know i don't think brian goodwin's a great player but upton really isn't either anymore so it's kind of disappointing i kind of liked him as like a late round stash but now with adele up it just kind of changes things and he's not really performing so when you compare it like a panic thing. I mean, what you paid to invest in him wasn't a ton. I put it as like a six, seven, but, um, it's most, a lot of it's just because I didn't invest a lot to get him. So different comparing a guy like Raphael Devers, you know, obviously you paid a lot to get that guy. So, but yeah, I mean, it's hard to be excited about Upton right now. Yeah. He's a drop in redraft leagues for me. I got him in as an eight or a nine. I think he could possibly be a buy for people in dynasty leagues who are not competing. I'm actually trying putting him on the block right now in my dynasty league because I am hopefully competing. I'm in at the first or second place. It's pretty close. And Dylan Carlson sounds like he may be making his debut this weekend. And when he does, with it being a daily league, I've got to get Upton out of there. He's taken up a spot on my team right now, and it's hard to have a part-time player in a daily league filling up a spot, especially in outfield. So I'm putting him out there and basically saying if any team is not competing right now, 
and is looking for an outfielder, I'll trade him to you for a mid-round pick. You can hang on to him, see if he ever gets going again, and you might be able to turn a profit out of him. And if I was not competing in a dynasty league, that's a that's a sneaky way to get a buy out of somebody. If you can find that he's on a competing team, you might be able to get him for cheap. And you never know, Brian Goodwin could turn back into a pumpkin and up and go hot again and be a good buy situation there. But for right now in redraft leagues, yeah, he's a drop in this sprint that we're on right now, in my opinion, unless you just have all kinds of room and can hang on to him. Okay, well, let's take a quick break, and we're going to finish up with a couple listener questions. Alright, well, we put it out on the Facebook group to get some listener questions, and we got a couple of them that I thought we'd throw in here to finish this show out. And I'm going to take this first one. Our buddy Ryan Andrew asked, Are Cardinals fans still the best fan in sports if there are no fans and the Cardinals aren't even playing baseball? And I'm, as the Cardinal fan, I, I'm going to answer that and say, Yes, baseball could be completely removed from sports. Cardinals are still the best fans. All right. You don't get to answer that because you're kidding. Fan. He's kidding, everyone. <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, Mike Engler asks, "What future? What near future call-ups can make an impact other than Mackenzie Gore?" Andrew, you got anybody to add there? Well, we actually just heard today Alec Baum is coming up. So yeah, there you go. He's actually in the lineup today. The game's starting actually right now. So uh, I think he could be interesting corner infield type guy. Um, and then, I mean, we've said Carlson a million times if the Cardinals ever get back on the field, obviously. Casey Mize, I think, could be up at some point. And I'm going to throw one other one just because, I mean, I don't think this guy probably comes up. But if he does, I think he's interesting. George Kirby, there oh, yeah. is there's reports of him hitting upper 90s at the uh, alternate site or whatever, camp, whatever you want to call it. And he's obviously known for his double-plus command. I don't think that he's probably going to come up. But if he did, I just think he's an immediate, you know, blow your budget or spend a lot of your budget type of pitcher. I, it, blow your budget is probably strong. But um, I definitely think he's going to be like a guy nobody sees coming. It just would get picked up everywhere. So, And I think there's a chance based on the kind of the reports and stuff. So. So, might be a yeah. guy like later later on in the season, but then again, later on this season is like three weeks, so who knows? But yeah, I just I thought the what I've heard on him recently is interesting. That's mostly the reason I'm pointing it out more so than uh, him actually making a huge impact real soon. I you know when you were telling me about him the other day, I was thinking, man, this kind of reminds me of Shane Bieber just coming up and taking the league by storm and. I don't know, that's the comp that keeps going through my head, and everything sounds real good with him. Already a good control guy, now with good velocity. That's a lethal combo right there. Yeah, I mean, if he's hitting upper 90s, it's it's scary. I'd just be curious to see if they go that route this year or if they just hold off. I'm probably a better chance they hold off, but I don't. I think it's like non-zero that he comes up to. So. Jared Kelnick. His teammate, that's another one I thought I'd mention after you mentioned all those guys. That's another guy that 
if he makes his debut, he's one that could be be very impactful right off the bat. Because they have Malik Smith out there not doing much. When I originally made my uh, cold starts panicometer list, he was on there, and then I had to trim it down to try to keep us at because I just had so many on there. Okay, final question comes from Nate Rice. Can Charlie Blackman hit 450? And I'll add, as of last night at one point, I know he was at least at 500. I don't know if he finished the night there, but at some point last night he was at 500. Yeah, I think it was I think it was the night before because last night he went over. Oh, lost he's his done. streak. So he's at 472. Uh 450's a sh- big time stretch. I don't think that, but I can see him hitting 400. I could see it. In a you know, I mean, he's got what do they got? 42 games left. He's at 472. He's probably got to hit like 370ish the rest of the way and I don't, know if that, that, I don't know if that's exactly right, but somewhere around there, yeah, 370 to 380. And in 40 games, I mean, why not? He's an awesome hitter, plays in core, half his games in cores. I mean, it kind of inflates average anyways. He does, he's does. he got a nice little 508 Babbitt. That's that's fun. But be funny yeah. if their final series of the weekends, like on the road, and he's hitting 405, and he's like, guys, I think I should just take the rest of this one off. Something like that. Maybe just play him in Colorado the rest of the year and just just to chase the record. If the Rockies were terrible, maybe they could actually consider that. But unfortunately, somehow that team is winning games, so that's not possible. But, yeah, I'd give I'd give him like a I don't know twenty percent chance to hit four hundred, maybe. Yeah, something like something that. Like that. I probably would have said ten fifteen, but yeah, twenty. We're in the same. Yeah, we're not somewhere in there. How legitimate would it be? Let's say this guy hits 400. Hasn't happened since, what, Ted Williams in the 40s? Is that right? Yeah, I want to say 1941. Yeah, that was the number I was thinking also. I was Okay, so we've gone almost 80 years without anybody doing it, and somebody does it in a 60-game sample. That that can't really be put in the same, uh, same level as those guys doing it 80 years ago, right? No. Not even close. It's not no. legitimate. It's not legitimate at all. I mean, it's still fun to follow and watch. Yes. And I'll still be like, if it gets to the end of the year and he has a chance to do it, I'll be rooting for it. I mean, it's cool. It'd be cool, but it's not like quote unquote legitimate. At least not to me. No, not at all. So yeah, we're on the same page there. Okay. Well, Andrew, good show. That was a lot of fun, and we managed to actually not. We kept on track, and we're not putting out an eight-hour show tonight. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, baby steps. We're doing it. <laughs> yes, I tried to keep us on task and try to keep this show a little shorter, and Andrew and I both managed to not get carried away. So maybe we'll try to keep that momentum going next week when we come back and record. Anything you want to plug, talk about before we get out of here? Nope, sounds good. Just... uh Look forward to the next show. I'm off all week, so it's been kind of fun being able to just watch baseball and chill out. I haven't really done a ton, but it's been nice. Yeah, and congrats. You made it to your vacation, and baseball didn't stop. So right. So that, that was your biggest fear last week, yeah, talking that, to you. Yeah, and... that was my main concern. I was worried that, you know, I'd kind of, like, put it all off, and then it's like, okay, well, now I'm here. And it's not that I'm watching baseball every second, but it's at least there if I'm not mm-hmm. doing anything else, you know. And 
to wait this long and then have it start and then get the week off and then have it not be there, oh, man, it would have just been awful. Brutal. So it's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. And it's here. I'm, I'm loving it, man. Like, it's just been great to even if it if it all stopped tomorrow, I'd still be so grateful for these few weeks. It's just been so nice to be able to enjoy all of it. So. And, you know, I really thought that the no fans in the stands was going to be something that would affect me, my watching. I don't care one bit. I think throwing those cardboard cutouts in there yeah. and adding fan noise, I, I honestly don't even care. It's great. Yeah, it's it's brought some life. The fake noise, I think, has helped a lot. Like just uh, Definitely. Uh, you, for the viewing experience, I mean, when you're watching it. I, I remember the very first game that Washington or the Nets uh, Yankees game it was kind of weird to me it's like oh, I don't know about this and I don't know I don't remember if they were pumping as much noise in then or whatever but now that I'm watching it I don't even I don't even notice half the time I forget yep you know like as I'm watching it it's just it almost looks like there's fans at least in a few of the stadiums some of them they're just it's completely empty but yeah it's been it's been good I've, I've yes. enjoyed it so hopefully we'll get some Cardinals playing this weekend and we can keep getting some baseball going and get through this run. And we'll try to get back soon, but until then, take care, everybody. Yeah, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. Baseball 365.